Welcome to the She Surrenders podcast. I'm Sherry, and I want to share everything I can with you about recovery and what happens when you surrender your addiction to God and say yes to a whole new life. Now let's get started. Hi, and welcome back to the She Surrenders podcast. I have a special treat for you today. We have my good friend, Kari, on the podcast today, and I have not known Kari very long, which is kind of the gist of her message and why she's here. Um, Kari joined us on day one at Joyful Surrender and has been going strong ever since. And I asked her not too long ago if she would be willing to share after her first 30 days was up because, excuse me, so many of my speakers here on the She Surrenders podcast have been in sobriety a while. And I was thinking of the woman, maybe it's you that are listening, that you're new or you're wondering what those first days are like. And while they are different for everybody, um, they do have a common theme. And that's that you need others and you need God to get through it. And I think that some of, excuse me, what you're going to hear from Kari this morning. I recently got to meet Kari in person, which was... um, it's rare because we're from all over the U.S., but it happened to work out that we were in the same area, and it was a joy. So welcome, Kari. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, Sherry. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I say we just dive right in, and the first question I always ask is, why don't you tell us a little bit of your your backstory around drinking? Sure. Yeah, I was actually trying to kind of go back and put my thoughts to paper to kind of organize things a little bit. And I'll try to make this condensed. Um, So I started drinking at age 14 was the first time I experimented with alcohol. It was with a girlfriend. And from the get go, it was binge, 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 you know, run into our parents stash, drink it down, you know, and as quickly as you can and hide it. And that kind of was my MO throughout high school, just probably typical, you know, go to parties, binge, drink, Um, nothing too crazy. Um, But binging seemed to be kind of a theme for me. I got into college, you know, typical college life, went to parties, would drink on the weekends, but always seemed to have this binging, um, these binging episodes. And I would, I I would black out, you know, even in high school and in college, um, Nothing bad happened, Um, managed to graduate with my nursing degree, um, and actually ended up joining the military, Um, was a nurse um, with the Army Nurse Corps, and things kind of were, quote-unquote, normal with my drinking, I would say, for the next 10 to 15 years. Um, Didn't seem to drink a ton. Um, Started having, you know, children and focused on that for, for many years and, you know, would drink here and there, but everything seemed to be kind of laying low as far as drinking was concerned. Um, until I got into my, um, mid thirties, early forties. Um, I had been, you know, I'd been a nurse for a long time, did a lot of shift work, um, night shift, day shift, evening shift. And I've always been a really bad sleeper. Insomnia has always been an issue for me. And I kind of learned um, that alcohol or a glass of wine before I went to bed would help help me fall asleep. I mean, and even my doctor said, hey, I have a glass of wine. You know, all my friends are like, we'll just have a glass of wine. And so that's what I did every night for many years was a glass of wine, two glasses of wine. Um, nothing crazy. But then 
one or two glasses just wasn't enough. So then it was two glasses, three glasses, eventually a whole bottle and eventually a bottle every night. And even that was like, okay, well, that's not that bad. Right. Right. Um, Everybody knew it wasn't like I was hiding Mm -hmm. it, but then it became, it was fine until it wasn't fine. I guess I don't even know how to describe it. It, it somewhere along that nighttime drinking, it became, it became a thing where it just was consuming everything. I almost developed like this sleep anxiety. If I knew I had to work, I knew I had to drink so that I could fall asleep, even though I wasn't sleeping the whole night, because we all know you, you Mm -hmm. drink, you fall asleep, but it's not great sleep. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, and then I started to kind of gain weight. I'm like on this alcohol or the wine. So then I thought, well, brilliant. I'll just switch to vodka. Cause that makes so much sense. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're, you're, you're speaking in my language. Um, okay. that's, and we're not the only ones, but yeah, that, that I think starts with the whole, the insanity of drinking because yeah, that made sense. But right, you right. Know, the, the wine thing at night is a huge, huge thing um, where a lot of women start drinking and get stuck. And, you know, so you just said that it wasn't a problem until it was. And do you remember that kind of little light bulb moment, like maybe where you hit it the first time or didn't answer the question, how much have you had to drink or whatever? that you had this little, little voice that was saying, you know what, you might be crossing the line. And yeah. right. And for me, it was, it was when I switched to vodka and then when we would travel, we love to travel pre COVID and I'm thinking, how am I going to get my nighttime drink on? We're traveling. And so that's, that was also the reason for the switch to vodka. Cause I could buy a big bottle and I could put it in my, checked Mm -hmm. a and it was and I that's when I started my sneaking was really traveling um my husband didn't know I had it in my you know suitcase and while we were traveling you know and obviously as I'm packing I'm like this this isn't normal but yet other people must do this too and I you know I ignored all those those Mm -hmm. kind of red eggs um but, and I did that for many years. I did this nighttime cycle of drink, 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 sleep. Um, and God really, God really spoke to me throughout those years in my mid thirties, early forties, like this isn't okay. You're depending on that. You're not depending on me. And I, I would listen and I would kind of acknowledge, but I wouldn't do anything about it. Um, and that went on, like I said, for many years. And I finally, I, I don't know what it was. I just got really tired of the, the sneaking and the hiding and the, the whole cycle of this sleep, anxiety, drinking. And I finally ended up confessing to my family. I confessed to my, I mean, my husband knew, you know, obviously that I was drinking, not to the point that I was sneaking and, um, and I did confess and I did, I did admit to my kids that I, I have this dependency on around sleep and I really focused my efforts over the next um, year or so with that to get rid of that. And I did, I did. I, I, I don't want to say I beat it, but I, I, I got through that with, by the mm-hmm. grace of God. Um, I kind of opened up with my small group with church. I let them know about, about that. And it was, it was good. 
Well, fast forward then to um, we, my husband and I started a business. Um, so we decided to build a, a memory care facility. Uh, my aunt had dementia at the time. Um, we decided we wanted to do something smaller, more family run. And so we started the process, um, which was great. Um, that was definitely, we felt like we were led by God to do that. Um, and somewhere along the way, as we're, as the building is being constructed, um, we've got investors, we've got families interested. I, I don't want to say I snapped, but there was a shift in my mind and it was so much stress. There was so much going on that I decided, well, alcohol is going to help in this situation. I'm just going to start drinking to kind of numb some of these stressors and the anxiety of the building. And that I immediately went into binge mode. That was a hundred percent sneaking, hiding, um, just getting as much alcohol in as I could to, to check out. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, that's been a couple years of this roller coaster, um, doing great with, with business, representing, showing a great face, but then at home behind the scenes, guzzle, guzzle, guzzle in my closet and pass out blackout for days. Mm -hmm. So that brings us kind of to the present time. And I, I would say since 2019 to now, I've had these binge episodes that have been going on. And I'll, I'll, I'll have 30, 40, 60, 100 days of sobriety. And then for whatever reason, I think, I, I, I well, I know it's I get overconfident or I, I think it's been three months. Well, of course I could have a glass of wine. Of course I, I'm, I'm okay now. Mm -hmm. And I would, I would just, I would maybe have a glass of wine and then the next day I'd have two and the next day three and the next day I'm, I'm out, I go get vodka or whatever. And I'm, I'm out for days. And these binges, they're so, they get worse and they get worse to the point where it physically, you know, I'm in, I'm, I'm just turned 51. So I, I don't spring back like I did when I was 14. <laughs> Um, and it physically just takes the life out of me. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I, this, this last binge episode I had, um, I, I crossed some lines that I didn't think I would cross. Um, I had always, my husband travels from, for work. Um, and I had always had this line that I would never drink when he travels because I've, we've got our son, you know, we've got one son left at home. My other kids are adults. And I always said I wouldn't drink when he's traveling because I always have to be the present parent. I have to drive him to school, blah, blah. Well, this last time I crossed that line and I completely blacked out for days. The entire time my husband was gone. And my son um, basically fended for himself. He had to walk to school. He had to get himself to practice home, feed himself, which I, I mean, he's obviously capable, but knowing that I, his mom is passed out in the bedroom and he's carrying on, um, was pretty humbling. It was, was pretty humiliating. And the shame with that, um, was different this time. Mm -hmm. So, um, we have a line that I, I totally relate to what you just said. 
because I think that anybody that drinks, we all have these lines that we're not going to cross, whether it's going from wine to vodka or hiding it or all those things. And then we cross those lines with our families. And I think the one that we, that you just talked about that line that you crossed, I think it's scarier than most because we can no longer tell ourselves this is not affecting anybody but us. Right. And, you know, we're hurting the ones we love. And, and it also, I remember a fear of if I cross that line, what's next? What one, if I keep drinking, am I going to cross next? Right. Right. And I always justified my binges. I, you know, well, I'm not hurting anybody. Like you said, you know, I'm, I'm just in my bedroom, you know, mm-hmm. my own business, but you're right. It, it, it I crossed the line. It, it, it did, it is affecting my family and um, it is affecting my business, even though I lied to myself and said, well, I, I can carry on. I can catch up on those emails and those voicemails when I come out of it, but come to realize um, my family really did a lot of um, covering for me in those episodes, in those binges. Um, you know, it is a family business. My, my daughter and my um, husband had to kind of make excuses for me. Why, why wasn't I available? Why wasn't I returning those calls or emails? And so slowly realizing that my quote unquote innocent binges in my bedroom really were affecting a lot more than I thought. Mm -hmm. Um, And this last time I also physically, um, you know, just, it just took so much out of me physically, you know, um, when I'm in those states, when I binge, and this one was a long one, this was almost a week, I don't eat, I don't drink anything other than alcohol. And that's, that's a pretty bad recipe for your body. Um, So, um, and I think I shared with you, Sherry, this last time I, as I was still kind of intoxicated in in the middle of the night, deciding, do I want to keep drinking or do I want to stop? And God was clearly talking to me. And it was, it was, it was clear to me if I was to continue drinking in that state, I would die. I, I just, the amount of alcohol that I consume in those states is just staggering. And normally my husband Um, is here to kind of cut me off, to kind of protect me, to get things out of my way. And he wasn't this time. Mm -hmm. And so I felt like even in that inebriated state, I was at a crossroads. Um, And it was God and I like, what are you to do? What are you to do here? And I decided at midnight on September 11th that I'm, I'm, I've got to stop. I can't, I'm going to, I'm, I will die. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah. So then the next day, um, just trying to come out of it. And the, the biggest, the biggest thing that God has been telling me and putting on my heart these past few years, as I've been going through these ups and downs is I cannot continue to do this alone. I can, can, cannot continue to have this, um, these, this, these two sides to me, the side of Kari that is perfect and running this business and this great mom, but but yet is struggling and hurting and self-medicating. And I, I have been trying to find connection. I've been trying to find community and it's been really, really hard. Um, yeah, I and, know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And let alone a faith-based community. And, and so 
So the biggest thing for me is coming out of that is I've got, I've got to be honest, number one with myself and my, my family and God and reach out to people and be vulnerable. So I, I have, I, I have, you know, we just moved. So we're in a new city, a new state. Um, but I did find a, a therapist, um, and I was seeing him and I was lying and saying, Oh yeah, no, I'm not drinking. And <laughs> so, so, you know, I just decided after this time, I'm, I'm just going to just put it all out there completely opened up to him completely opened up to my husband and my family and, and reached out, reached out to you, Sherry, and the She Surrenders community showed up for that first Zoom meeting, a hot mess express. Mm -hmm. uh, I, that was your day one, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty raw, pretty raw. Um, and, and so it just was literally slogging through those first days. It was hard. It was really hard, but I just knew I had to be, I had to, I had to be open. I had to be humble. Um, showed up to a, our new church. We have a, a women's Bible study. Did not want to go, um, but just I, I I have a tendency to isolate. I have a tendency to keep everything in, and I just know that this time to be different um, and for things to really change, I have to be open. Mm -hmm. So. So yeah, so that brings me to today. It's it's been 38 days today. Um, physically, my body's like, thank you, Lord, I've recovered. Um, <laughs> our livers are pretty forgiving, but yes, uh, yes, and so I, true. I really put my body through a lot um, physically. So um, the thing for me too is because I've been on this kind of, I call it the roller coaster for the last two years with these binges and sober and binges and sober is that I can't carry the shame of that because every time I would binge and every time I would um, let myself down and I, you know, I'd have all these days behind me, these mm -hmm. sober days. And then when I would binge and drink again, I would spend just days just beating myself up and just shame and the guilt. And I finally just, you know, through a lot of, through a lot of different um, podcasts that I've listened to and books that I've read, it's just realizing that you can't, you can't hang on to that shame and failure is feedback. And rather than obsessing over the number of days that I have, just know that every time I'm getting stronger and stronger. And this time I really feel, it really feels different. Um, you know, people talk about the shift and I, that used to bug me mm -hmm. like what's the stupid shift. I, <laughs> I, I didn't get it. Um, I heard it a lot and I can honestly say, I definitely feel the shift this time. All the other times that I would come out of my binge and get really strong on, okay, I'm going to journal, I'm going to read, I'm going to podcast, I'm going to work my program. In the back of my mind, I, I, I always thought, yep, I'll get to 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, and I'll probably be able to drink again. You know, mm -hmm. we'll get back to Italy. I'll, I'll, I'll drink again when we're in France or, you know, whatever on special occasions. I always had that in my, in, in the back of my mind. And I think because I had that kind of escape little nugget there, I always mm -hmm. 
went back to it or kind of gave myself permission. And this time I don't have that at all. It, there is without a doubt, I cannot ever, 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 ever drink again. Um, I just can't because it hits my brain and, you know, I've spent so much time trying to figure out, well, why do I do this? Why do I drink? Why do I? And rather than focusing on the why, 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 I'm just focusing on what I need to be doing instead. Um, I'm not going to sit there and go back through my past and try to figure out, well, what was, what triggered this or what caused this or why do I binge? No, I'm just going to focus on what I need to do to stay healthy, to, and to, to walk my walk in faith and honor God. Because at the end of the day, my drinking was so dishonoring to my faith and so dishonoring to God. Um, and I was so disobedient. You know, he just was constantly talking to me like, you, yeah, this is not the right path for you. This is not the path I have for you. And I can't keep ignoring that. Um, I can't keep doing something that that is just disobedient and isn't honoring him and thus isn't going to allow him to work through me on what he really has for me. Because um, I... I I, I believe he has something for all of us and we just get in our own way. <laughs> yeah. What you, what you just said about, you know, and that's the reason I'm so passionate about um, faith-based recovery and community because we as women are already hurting about all the things that we've done, um, how we've hurt our family, but then there's God and we know that he's the answer, but he's also the one we want to hide from in our drinking. And when you decide to let God be bigger than the bottle, it's a game changer. And could it have happened years ago? Possibly. Could it have happened, you know, before September 11? Um, I ruminate on that a lot. Like, why did I wait so long? Because the other side of it is so incredible. But I think that we have to really, you know, there's a verse in the Bible about getting to the end of ourselves and yeah. yay, yay God for being that person or being that, that our God in our life, not that person, but that says when you're finally done trying everything else, everything else, I'll be waiting. And yeah. there's no one like that here. And so we retreat from that beauty, you know, in shame and we try and hide and it doesn't work. You cannot hide from God, but thank goodness he doesn't give up on us either. Right. And I love hearing that God talked to you that night and, you know, moved your heart in this direction because that's rare. I don't hear that very often. And, one of, and I heard that too. And one of the things I struggled with was when I started talking, I didn't want to be the woman that stood there and said, I found Jesus, quit drinking beautiful life. Amen. Because it doesn't work that way. And I don't want it to sound trivial or easy, but sometimes to get to the miracle, we have to go through a lot of hell first. And right. you know, it's all part of, all part of his plan. So, mm. you know, I think that, you know, I said that I wanted you to say, what's different this time. What's different this time is that you're putting your trust in God. And I love the, you know, I'm not going to go backwards and think about the whys and where's and 
uh, the ruminations that go with that. But kind of, you know, to coin the Nike phrase, surrender, just do it, you know, and every day just get up and do it again until, you know, the want to be sober becomes much greater than the want to drink. And yeah, yeah, for sure. And just the mantra, well, the, the Bible verse of that, we, we are called to walk in the light Mm -hmm. and you know, it's pretty simple, but me drinking and binging in my dark bedroom is, is that's not walking in the light. No. Um, and the second no. part of that is fellowship. And that was really lacking for me was, was that fellowship with other, with other faith-based women that, that are in this situation. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the reasons too, that I want, I was open to sharing is because I think there's if I'm sitting in my little bedroom in suburban wherever USA, there's other women that are struggling and, and are in the same boat. And as Christians, I feel like we we're really hurting and we need to reach out to 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 our sisters, you mm-hmm. know. And, and if if there's if my story can resonate with anybody or if I can be a light for anybody like you've been a light in this group, we have to do that. Um yeah, I feel it's an obligation when you've, I, I, I say over and over, and I, I hate to be a broken record about it, but you know what? I, I have a couple phrases in my head about being a woman of faith and sobriety. Number one, I'm chosen. So are you. We're all chosen for something, and it may not be the path that we ever saw for ourselves. I, I look at you, and I cannot even imagine you being that woman drinking in your closet for a week and being in that place. But I'm looking at me as well and going, yeah, that's who I was too. That's who I was too. And this is what God can do. And so we're, we're obligated to tell our story, you know, so we're chosen and we get to, um, it's no, it's not a punishment. It's an opportunity. And, um, being obedient to that is hard. You're doing it in a lot less time, 30 days, whereas it took me a couple years. So I admire that strength in you very, very much. And I'm just grateful you're here and a part of our group because you've just done a light and I've really loved getting to know you as well. So yeah, I, I can't say enough about that. Um, I did write down, um, a couple things. Um, that assurance that you do you think that that assurance that I'll be able to drink again is what brought you back every time is where you fell because I think I say it in my book and I've said it other places that I quit for long periods of time too but I knew I was going to drink again and the difference the last time was I knew I couldn't and I I can't I don't want to pretend to anybody that's new in recovery that hey just you might be able to drink again you have to accept that you can't. And if you can only accept that one day, one hour, one minute at a time, that's okay. But yeah. you will get to the place where you will accept it as part of life. Yeah. And I think for sure that for sure, I'll, that was like my little escape clause. Well, I can always, you know, I can always down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I always, always had that in my mind that, yeah, down the road I can. And even my husband, he's like, well, yeah, you know, it's been 30 days. Sure. Why can't you try? Yeah. Why can't you have yeah. a glass? 
or, you know, we look for, we're going to seek out validation and encouragement for whatever route we're thinking. Like for me, you know, if I was thinking, you know, it's okay to have a glass of wine, you know, I would see other women having glass of wine or, I mean, it's, you're going to get encouragement wherever you look. And, um, until I decided that that's just off the table for me, that's just not an option. Now I, now I really gravitate towards women in sobriety or, you know, recovery, you know, um, Mm -hmm. because it gets noisy out there. That's it's, there's so much advocacy and support for drinking that it's just, you, it's, you're bombarded with it everywhere. And I, Mm -hmm. I, now in a state where I can go to the grocery store and buy it. That's new for me. Um, and, and I just, now I just, it's just not an option. So. Yeah. And option is one of my favorite. I always just say it's no longer an option. It's sad to me sometimes but when I really think about it, I don't need that simple bottle of a liquid for anything. I don't need yeah. to do life with a I mean, there's people that, you know, they can't have things a lot worse than alcohol, you know, and it's just learning to live within the boundaries of the life that we've chosen and and that God has chosen for us. So we all have to live with boundaries. I think we get in trouble when we think that we don't have to have any rules in place. Um, And it's not about not drinking as a Christian. It's just about um, doing life as a Christian better, you know, so. Well, and I like that your group was the first time I heard the phrase play the tape forward. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. so, so powerful to me because, you know, if I start thinking, oh, I'd like a glass of wine on the patio or whatever, mm-hmm. we'll play that tape forward, Kari. One leads to a gajillion and, you know, to really look at the ugliness that it always looks kind of glamorous and pretty at first and that little glass, but it, that's not where it ends up for, for me, for me anyway. Right. So important for me to go there in my mind and to remember. Um, and that's powerful for me. Yeah. And when that, that brings to mind for me too, that, um, like I thought I was going to be, I, I told myself it was going to be very sad not to drink socially or at business events or parties or weddings or whatever. And when I thought about it, it'd been a long time since I could drink socially. I, so many of my, you know, my circle of my family and my friends knew I, I should not be drinking. So I lost that privilege long before I quit. There was, and and the reason that they all knew was because I had fallen so many times in front of them that, you know, it just couldn't be part of our relationship anymore. But instead of honoring that, I said, fine, I'll drink alone. And, you know, how fun was that? You know, like you just said, a week in your bedroom alone. I think of all the times that I spent an entire weekend doing nothing but drinking and looking forward to it. And Monday through Friday or whatever the days were, just thinking, why did I do that? Because it took, like you said, longer and longer to come back from. So, yeah. Yeah. It's just wasted, wasted. Not only was I wasted, but I wasted time. I wasted moments. I wasted connection with my family. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you gotta, we gotta look at the the big picture of it. So yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, 
I can't thank you enough for sharing your story. And one of the things that you said to me when I asked you to do this was only if it's part one. So I know we're going to hear from you again. And I can't, I can't wait to have you share again, you know, and I love seeing you every week in our meetings and it's, it's just been a joy to get to know you. So I always end with asking the question, um, kind of a, what if you knew then what you knew now, what, what would you say to somebody who's in that dark place feeling like shit and just not knowing how they're ever going to crawl out of this. And I think the overwhelm that comes with, I can crawl out, but what makes it different this time? You know, what would you say to that woman? Hmm. I think it's just, it, you've got to connect with somebody. It, it, you have to just, you've got to latch on to somebody or something that you can be honest and open with. Um, because I lied to myself for so long and sugarcoated things and minimized it. And I think it, it's just critical to be, to be humble. I mean, that, and that was one thing my husband said is you, you need to learn humility. You need to learn that you're not, you're not superwoman. You're not everything. Yeah. So being humble, being vulnerable and, and just connect. Mm-hmm. Great. No, I, yeah. I totally agree. I totally agree. Or as my husband said to me, you're just not that special. You don't get to have this and have your entire life and everything good in it. Nobody right. is. And I kind of always thought I was a little extra special, but yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Got to stay humble though. Right? right. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for sharing your story and um, just being a part of the She Surrenders community and um, being here today. Thank you, Kari. Thank you. Thanks, Sherry. Yeah. So if you liked or felt like something's calling you to something different and you maybe like to talk to Kari or to me, just email me through our website of um, shesurrenders.com. And on there, there's more information about our uh, meeting group, Joyful Surrender, where you'll be surrounded and empowered by women who know exactly how you're feeling right now. So don't be afraid to reach out for that either. And um, I look forward to talking with Kari and many others again as we continue spreading the word about what faith in sobriety looks like. And when you do it with God, you, you can't lose. So thanks for being here, and I invite you back here again, and to have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. I invite you to shesurrenders.com, where you will find your community for faith-based recovery. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please like and subscribe. Thanks again, and we'll see you back here soon.